to not just have a face on a screen when we pray for our missionaries, but to have uh, James Morrissey here to share with us one of our missionaries in Chile. And uh, I encourage you, when, when we see them on the screen, don't just let it be just Sundays we're praying for one another, to be praying for our missionaries, but to be praying throughout uh, the, the whole week and being uh, focused on the different missions uh, agencies that we've been able to partner with. And James and Coletta have been in Chile 20 years now, and by God's grace have been able to plant three churches. And uh, just look forward to, to hearing James share from God's Word. So let's welcome him this morning, and also the kids can be dismissed for their class. Wait. Uh, worshiping with you this morning, and uh, it was wonderful worship. Thank you, Marcus, and musicians. I really enjoyed that. That was, uh, you must have known I was, what I was preaching on, too. I think we sent that ahead, but um, that was awesome. Uh, Pastor was talking about uh, praying for your missionaries, and, and I know what that's like to be consistent about trying to pray for someone, or um, we all have it in our heart, you know, and we see them, we, okay, I, I need to pray for them, and I want to give you a, um, a reminder to pray for Chile, to pray for us. Um, Pastor actually said something this morning that brought this to my mind, but um, how, how many uh, have ever seen Chilean fruit in their supermarkets? Yeah? Um, let me just ask you to do this. When you're in your supermarket and you see that fruit that says chili on it, that's your clue. Okay, just a little prayer at the moment. You know, no one's going to, you know, make fun of you or anything. You, you can keep your eyes open if you want, but just pray for chili. Every time you see Chilean fruit in your supermarkets or in your home, and, uh, and, of course, fruit is the reminder that that is really what we want to see. We want to see a lot of fruit for God's kingdom's sake and uh, uh, for his glory. Um, I think one of the, uh, the requirements to be fruitful for God's kingdom's sake uh, has to do a lot with our attitude. Our attitude. Um, Pastor mentioned we've been in Chile for 20 years, actually 17 years, um, three years in the process of, uh, of getting there, two years visiting churches, raising our support, and then uh, a year at language school before we arrived. But uh, 17 years is a long time uh, in, in, in a country that's not your own. That's a long time in ministry. Uh, it's a long time for anything. But uh, in 17 years, I can tell you I've had a, a lot of different attitudes, <laughs> uh, a lot of different attitudes, uh, good, bad, ugly. Um, I, I would uh, be sh- ashamed to, to tell you some of those attitudes, actually. But I have uh, uh, noticed uh, something in my own Christian walk and in our ministry, I have noticed uh, how important my attitude impacts what I do and how I walk. 
Um, I was reading in my Bible reading in the, in the book of Philippians. I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Philippians. Uh, we're going to be looking at chapter 2 and 3 this morning. And I was reading uh, my Bible. Thankfully, uh, I developed an, uh, a discipline years ago to read my Bible every day. Uh, regardless of what my attitude was. <laughs> At times, you know, I'm just reading. I don't think I remember a thing I, I read. Um, but just that, that discipline of opening God's Word and reading it gives the Holy Spirit a chance to work in us when, uh, when we need it, when we need it. And I remember this, this past year reading in the book of Philippians and knowing that my attitude was not right, knowing that my attitude was not right. And, and, and off these pages jumped the words, have this attitude in you, in yourselves, as uh, is in Christ. And Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Um, he, have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus. And I saw that, and I began to investigate, began to study, and, and, and to find out exactly what is this attitude. And then I came to chapter 3, and I found the exact same phrase. And it's the exact same Greek words. Have this attitude. Chapter 3, verse 15. We'll get to that in a moment. But God revealed to me in, in, in his word and in, in further studying some important attitudes. If I am going to advance in my Christian walk, if missions is going to advance uh, in Chile through us, uh, two essential attitudes. Uh, someone had mentioned or I had read somewhere, I think it was the great source of wisdom, Facebook, but um, someone said that attitude is like a, a flat tire. Uh, until you change it, you're not going anywhere. And, uh, and that is what I have found to be true in, in my own walk. Um, it, sometimes we need an attitude adjustment. Uh, we've all probably heard that from our parents at one time or another. Um, and, and God is gracious to change our attitudes when they need to be changed. The word here, translated attitude, is a word that um, in, in your Bibles, this is the New American Standard that I'm reading, in your Bibles it might say, have this mind in you. And the, the, the word literally is your mindset. It's the way you think and feel about something. Um, we can all experience the same event and have very different attitudes about it. It's kind of the way we are looking at it, our personal perspective of it. We need a, a perspective, a way of looking at life the way Christ did. And later in chapter 3, Paul's the example. And he mentions others as well that are worthy of that example. What is this attitude? 
that needs to be our mindset, needs to be our focus in this life. Whether it it be missions or, or anything else, this is the attitude we need. Let's read verse 6. This attitude which also was in Christ, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. We all know what that is, to be in this body. The suffering that's involved. Just the physical suffering. The emotional suffering. Living in a fallen world. Paul describes this present world as this present suffering in Romans chapter 8. That is the description of life. Glory awaits us. But in the meantime, there's suffering. And some of it just has to do with the fact that we have this body. Jesus chose to take on this body. And as we sang this morning, the contrast between having this body and what was his reality and glory is indescribable. Recently, This past year, we had the privilege of teaching through the book of Revelation two times. Once to our church, and once to a a group of unsaved neighbors. I love teaching the book of Revelations to unsaved people. It was the second time I had the opportunity to do a study to unsaved people about the book of Revelation. They think they're going to get some cute ideas about what's going to happen in the end time. But this is about Jesus. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And, and I, I think there's few books in the Bible that reveal the character of God like the, the book of Revelation. And I love chapter 1 where the Apostle John, there on, that, on the island of Patmos, he, he, here's a guy that walked with Jesus, ate with Jesus, knew that Jesus in, in that physical body that he had on earth. Jesus was his buddy. And he gets to see Jesus in his glory. And what does he do? Doesn't run up to him, oh, my friend Jesus. He falls on his face like a dead man. That's the glory of Jesus. That's the Jesus preexistent as well before he took on this body. Emptied himself. And being found in in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What's the essence of the attitude that we see in Jesus? Jesus, although he had all the authority and all the right to rule, to condemn, to judge, 
mankind. He chose to make it about us. Jesus, his attitude, his mindset is the world. You and I, here, to, here today, he chose to make it about us. Now, it didn't take us long living in the culture of Chile, living among the Chileans, that if we were going to make it about them, it was going to be about them. They're not a people that are very servant-oriented. I remember distinctly, about five years into our ministry, a family came to our church that started to make it about us, and it felt so weird. Clint and I would talk and say, wow, they're actually concerned about us. We hadn't experienced that, and have experienced that very little in Chile. And to be honest, at times, it has gotten to me. At times, my attitude has been, Coletta, let, just let them do it. Why are we doing this? Well, it's about them. It's not about us. You have, have sent us to Chile to make it about them. This is an attitude that shapes missions. It is so easy for us to make it about ourselves. It is so easy to shut our neighbor out and to make it about my rights, the offenses that they have done against me. When in reality, it's about them and their need for Christ. We have neighbors that we do not like. But they don't know we don't like them. (laughs) Why? Because it's about them. And we know that we can put up with things. Yes, it gets, it gets to you after a while. And we have to come back to our source of Christ and our, our fellowship with Him to get back to His attitude. What is your attitude about the people around you? When you go through your day, Is it about them? Is it about their greatest need? That they do not die and suffer an eternal punishment. What can you do? 
How can you change your perspective about people around you? We recently had a visit from a family that we had not known prior to their visit. I was kind of surprised that they wanted to come uh, spend some time with us. It's a family of four, a couple from my in-laws' home church. And they came. They came to serve us. And it was kind of cool. I didn't do dishes the whole week. But as we learned about them, I began to see the attitude of Christ in them. And we began to hear their story. I began to see how God changed their attitude about some neighbors they had. Chris is a, is a lawyer. They're very well off. Does very well. Live in a nice home. Where their home is situated, they have to drive down a certain road. And on this road, no matter where they're going, is an apartment complex. Very different reality of those who live in that apartment complex. We're in the, we're in the south. People in that apartment complex are black. Chris and his family are white. Some deep cultural issues there. They told us for, for years they would drive by that apartment complex and turn their head to the other side. They didn't even want to look over there. It was so unpleasant. And God began to change their attitude. And they began to look. Catherine got a burden to do something for Christmas. She says, we're going to provide a meal for every family in that apartment complex. She had to go to two different grocery stores to buy 80 frozen turkeys, all at their own personal expense. They bought these turkeys and found a restaurant that would cook them for them, and people started to add sides to it and dessert, and, and they provided this wonderful Christmas meal uh, to about 50-something families in this apartment complex. They didn't stop there. They later investigated and rented an apartment in that apartment complex and began to invite all those neighbors to a new church that they were starting in that apartment complex. They go to their church at 8.30 in the morning, a morning service, they have a Sunday school afterwards at 10. And then at noon, they go and provide a meal for this whole apartment complex. And they have a worship service out there in the parking lot. They have about 50 or 60 kids that they have games with and they play with. God changed their attitude. They realized it wasn't about them. It wasn't about their comfort. Was it wasn't about what they could get out of life. It was about those around them, even those who were marginalized, who were different. They chose, like the Lord Jesus Christ, they chose to make it about them as he chose to make it about us. Even to the sacrifice 
of themselves. We talked about these kids that come to our door at all hours of the day wanting a Bible story. Shame on me <laughs> for an attitude that said, why now? Can't they come later? But we get the opportunity with these little kids to open up the Bible and share Bible stories they've never heard before. It's about them. It's not about my moment of comfort or my moment of, of busyness. It's about them. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was also in Christ Jesus. Then I kept reading and came to chapter 3. Verse 15, it says, Let us therefore as many as are perfect have this attitude. The exact same phrase. The exact Greek word. The exact idea of having a mindset. A perspective of life that shapes what you do. The way you think and what you feel. Well, what is the this in in this context, Paul begins chapter 3 talking about the exceeding value of knowing Christ. There's nothing in this world that compares to knowing Him. In a parallel book of, in, in Colossians chapter 3, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above. What's above? where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. What's above is Christ himself. We set our minds on things above because he is there, and it's about him and his glory. Well, later on, he says in verse 12, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I might lay hold for that which I have bent, which also I was laid hold of. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. He, he's... He's talking about something that lies ahead. This attitude that shaped Paul was, was, was about something that lied ahead. In chapter 1, Paul says, I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work with you will perfect it until the day of Christ. And then he, 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 he prays for them. He says, and, 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 and this is my prayer, that your, your love may abound still more and more in, in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. And literally there, it's for 
the day of Christ. What is the day of Christ? What what does Paul have his mind set upon that shaped his life? I believe Paul constantly had before him an appointed time which he was going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says we must appear. Talks about a recompense. Romans 14 says we shall all stand and give an account. First Corinthians chapter 4 talks about how God's going to judge our motives and judge our faithfulness and what he's given us to do. And he talks about something that is so strange to me. He talks about receiving praise from God. We come together to praise him. He's the only one worthy of praise. But yet there is an appointed time which God is going to have an opinion about us. The more I think about this, the more I I meditate on this, the more I come to the conclusion that, you know, there, there is not a moment more important in my existence. When I stand before God and give an account for what I did in this body, of course, it won't have nothing to do with my sin. That's taken care of. That's nailed to the cross. But how we live for Him, how we invested ourselves in Christ Himself and in the eternal. What's eternal? In this life, there's only two things in eternal. God's word and people. Every person you lay eyes on is an eternal being. Is going to spend eternity in one place or another. As I'm reading through Philippians and studying Philippians and meditating on Philippians, I just see Paul over and over again. That's his mindset. That is what is shaping his attitude. His perspective of life is the eternal, the eternal values. We will not advance missions, whether in Chile or here in Cambria, apart from the attitude that values the eternal over the temporal. And it is an attitude. It is a mindset. It is a way of looking at life day in and day out. When we get up in the morning, we declare to ourselves, it is about others and is about what pleases God. And what will impact eternity for his namesake? Gold, silver, precious stone is one of God's opinions 
God will also have an opinion of wood, hay, and stubble. Now, this was valuable. What you did here was valuable. This, no. This impacted eternity. Sorry. In that same passage, he says, for the day will show it. There we go again. So Paul says, I press on. As for me, I'm pressing on. Toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is what's important. That is what shapes my life today and how I live it. I, I believe God wants to do amazing things in our world. But he's got a lot of attitudes to change. He gives a contrast to the proper attitude. Verse 18 of chapter 3. He says, For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite. You know, it's just all about what brings pleasure to me. Their God is their appetite, whose glory is their shame. It's shameful because they exalt themselves and they make it about themselves. When there's only one that is worthy of of that glory. It says, who set their minds on earthly things. That word translated minds is the same word translated attitude in 2.5 and 3.15. So we have two contrasts. The attitude of a servant, a humble servant, who makes it about others. And who lives life in light of eternity. The other choice is to live life for self. One's own personal pleasures. It's about me, my appetites, my desires, and about what lifts and exalts me. And as I was studying this, it became very clear that this issue of attitude is one that influences others. The people around us influence the attitudes that we have. He appeals to Christ as one who should influence, impact our attitude. He appeals to himself in verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Paul says there's others as well that have this attitude. Follow them. 
Who do you have in your life that challenges you to a life of service and to a life that's committed to the eternal perspective? They're going to impact you. For good or for bad. We need to be careful about who we have shaping our attitudes of life. Probably the thing that encouraged me the most in this passage, and I say encourage, in, in, in midst of the spanking, God encouraged me. In verse 15, he says, Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. That's an amazing grace that God gives us as his children. He corrects our attitudes. Remember Cleta and I raising our kids? Obedience wasn't good enough. Attitude was important. Sorry, Lauren. Go back to your room. When you have come out, when you have a good attitude, did you come out? You have a good attitude? At times, God just needs to send us to our room. Okay, when you've got a good attitude, you can come out. And I'll use you. I will use you to impact this world. But you've got to change that attitude. Our God is patient and kind and gentle with those attitudes, isn't he? But that's where it starts. For his name's sake. Let's pray. All we can say before you, dear Father, is glory be to your name. It's all about you. We're thankful. We're amazed that we are children of yours, that you made us a part of your family. You've made us a part of your grace and your mercy has come to us in your son. And you've given us, dear father, a purpose in this life to glorify the Lord Jesus amongst those who who you've put us in contact with. And we know, Lord, that there's a lot of work that's got to be done in our hearts for that to be what you want it to be. So we ask that you continue to reveal the attitudes, God, that need to be changed, that you would grant us opportunity to make it about others. Grant us an opportunity, Lord, to invest in eternity for your namesake. Amen.